Thank you. So Amy's going to read to us, and then Matt is going to come up and talk to us. Um, Readings from John 2, 1 to 12. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars. The kind, that, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 80 to 120 litres. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from. Though the servants who who drawn the water new. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice, the cho- choice wine first and then brings out the, cho- um, the cheaper wine after. The guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed in his glory. And his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Caparium with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah. We're now going to pray for Matt, so please pray. Um, Dear Lord, we bring Matt to you, and whatever he says now, Lord, we pray that it will be of you, and everyone here will have ears open to listen to him, and that they'll be touched by his word. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It's always amazing when you get young people praying for you. It is like the delight of the work that I do is when we all gather together uh, as legacy and we pray for one another. Um, Cool. I'm going to come a little bit closer. I want to encourage you to to keep your Bibles open on that passage. Um, Yes, Samuel. Grab it. Um, Cool. Um, So to introduce myself quickly, my name is Matt uh, and I'm the youth worker here at St. John's. And as you've just heard, tonight we're going to be looking at um, John chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. So please do keep it open. Um, The passage, as we said, as is obvious, is in John. Um, But I want us to take a moment to think about... To think about... You right? Great. To think about this and, and know why John is actually writing his gospel, because I think that helps us to understand um, kind of the context of what we're reading. And John tells us this in chapter 20, verses 30 to 31. And he says this, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may, may have life in his names. name. So there are two things that I want to draw out from that verse, um, which should appear on the screen. Um, and the first is it says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs. So in John, someone pointed this out to me yesterday, and I was like, that's so something I need to say. Um, a sign. Sign points to something. A sign points to something. So the miracles, as in John, point us to something else. 
And the second thing that I want us to notice is why it's there. It says that you, that you, that we, I, may believe, and by believing that you, we, I, may have life. So with this in mind, as we start to unpack uh, this passage, I want to give you my main point now. So if you start to, you know, fall asleep, that's fine. You'll know what I'm trying to say. Um, And my main point, again, will come up. Um, And it is this. Jesus brings life, big letter life. And I wonder, have you RSVP'd? Have you RSVP'd? Okay, so grab your Bibles and we're going to look at, start going through this passage. Looking at verse 1, let me read this to you. So on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. (laughs) Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So remember, everything in John serves that we may believe all these miracles and have life. And it's really interesting that Jesus' first miracle, the first thing he does in John, is, takes place at a wedding. Hannah and I are in this stage of life where all of our friends, particularly, you know, being Christians, seem to be getting like married and all that sort of stuff. Um, and we go to loads of weddings. Anyone here a fan of weddings? Who enjoys a wedding? Stick your hand up. There's a few people. I know you do because you stole the ice cream. Okay, cool. Lots of here. Is there anyone here who doesn't enjoy weddings? No one. Okay. Well, I'm going to be slightly controversial then and say that I love the actual marriage bit. The people when, you know, they're standing there at the front of church, and I'm a bit soppy as well, so I always cry when they say the vows to each other. Um, love that bit. But as a bit of an introvert, the rest of the day, like the six-plus hours you know, that are going on afterwards where you have to make small talk with people that you haven't seen for a long time or don't even know, where you have to pretend to dance. I know some people may well be dancers. Me, I'm not. Um, and we have to, you never know if the food's going to be any good. And all that sort of stuff, that's a bit daunting to me. But back in Jesus' day, weddings weren't just like a, you know, sort of an eight-hour stint on a Saturday afternoon. They were a massive deal. Like, they were a huge deal. These things went on for days and days. And everyone came. There was loads of people on the guest list. And there were huge social events. And part of that was that there was loads of wine. Lots of wine. So Jesus went to this wedding with his mum, Mary, and with his brothers and the disciples. I'm sure it was going great. We're not told otherwise. But Mary comes to Jesus and says, they have no more wine. I love that, Vanessa. They have no more wine. Shock. And this was the groom's one job. You have no idea how many times I heard this is your one job. This is his one job to go with his family and get this wine, supply the wine to the wedding. And he's even managed to mess that up. No wine then meant embarrassment and social disgrace for the groom and his family. 
And I always loved Jesus' response to his mother because it makes me chuckle. He says, woman, to his mum, why do you involve me? And do you know what? Some commentators say, oh, it's a term of endearment. Regardless, if I said to my mum, woman, I would without a doubt not be sitting down for a few days. But, oh, sorry, that's another time. Um, So, lost my space now. That was a bit of a tangent. Anyway, so Jesus says to his mum, my hour has not yet come. Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. It's a bit of a strange thing to say. But simply he means the time where I die and when I defeat death, when I'll be crucified and rise again, that, that hasn't yet come. But Mary, again, this is such a mum thing. Verse 6, we read it here. So I'm going to go back. says to the servant, do whatever he tells you. Anyone else had that moment of being volunteered? Yeah. Great. <laughs> that, was, that was kind of one of those moments. So he goes and he starts doing it. Continue to look at the passage with me. We're going to work down here. So from 6. Uh, near... Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. So before the Jews came to worship, before they came uh, before God, they were required to wash themselves by the Old Testament law. Uh, they had to wash themselves clean on the outside. And this is one of those like amazing moments where I get excited when we talk to the young people. And um, in that point, if you're going, oh, mate, Jesus, you're so clever. So Jesus says to the servant, take these jars that we use to clean our outsides before we worship God and fill them to the very top with water. Okay? So off they go, they do it. But in effect, Jesus is saying to them, like, take these six great big bathtubs that we use to wash ourselves, fill them to the water, top with water, and bring them to me. Take some faith and big muscles. Take some. Uh, give it to the master of the banquet, who's the guy who's in charge of the wedding party, to drink. I wonder, can you imagine the servant's face at this point? Like, the servant's... You don't know this guy. You don't know... This is his first miracle in John, right? You don't know what he's going to do. But you're that kind of last ditch. All right, okay, let's go for it. So he goes, he takes it, he does it. (laughs) Imagine this point of putting putting in the ladle or whatever it is to get the water out, thinking, oh, it's still going to be water, obviously. And there's a whole jar full of wine. A whole jar full of wine. And not one, but six of them. This water that's used to cleanse has now been turned into wine. Again, this is the clever bit, right? So for hundreds of years, 
and the Jews had been washing themselves for worship, as the law said, rightly. But we know, don't we, that no matter how much we wash our outsides, the sin still remains in us. Elsewhere in Scripture, Jesus is um, challenging, rebuking the Pharisees, so the religious leaders of the time. And he says to them, you are like whitewashed tombs. Saying on the outside, you're clean, like you look amazing, great. But on the inside, you're dead. On the inside, you're dead. Before Jesus dies, uh, he was died. He was in a, a room uh, with his friends at the Last Supper, um, and he was celebrating uh, the Passover meal. Next one along. Brilliant. And, uh, and this is what happens. Then he took a cup, a cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So as Jesus turns the water in these jars to wine, he points us to the thing that truly can and will wash away our sin. He points us forward. See, the washing of water was only ever a futile activity. It wasn't ever going to be able to do, uh, do what? Yeah, of getting rid of sin. But Jesus points to his hour. Jesus points to his hour. To the point when he will take our sin on himself, dying and spilling his blood for us. As we just read, sang, there is nothing but the blood of Jesus that can wash away our sin. And we remember that as we take communion together. Ephesians 1, 7 uh, says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. As a slight side point to my main point, I want to bring this in here because I think it's important. Maybe this evening there are things for you, things for you in your life that you're aware of when we did our confession at the beginning that you're, you know are there. Sins might be pain, hurt, uh, that you need Jesus to cleanse you of. I really want to encourage you to bring that before God, to bring that before God in true repentance. And ask him, and he will forgive you and restore you. But after this meal, when Jesus goes on to die, he doesn't stay dead, right? Jesus doesn't stay dead. He rises again. He defeats death. And he brings about the way of reconciliation to God. That's why we can ask God's forgiveness, because Jesus has made the way. Jesus has made the way for us to come to the Father. And he invites us. He invites us to his wedding day. He invites us to his wedding day when the church as his bride will be united with him in heaven. You're invited. Have you RSVP'd? Turn me again to the passage 
Um, and we're going to uh, look at verse 9 onwards. So then he called the bridegroom aside and said, this is the uh, master of the banquet, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs, notice signs, through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So before uh, Hannah and I got married, her parents, slightly the other way around, went off to France, as you do, to Calais, to the big wine supermarket, and bought all of the wine um, for our wedding, which was a genius idea. And when I was planning this, I was thinking, oh, you know, the parents have got to go off and get the wine. Um, So I kind of imagined this scenario where the groom and his family were choosing the wine for his wedding day. Go, we need 200 of those, like, big, really amazing wine here. And we need 200 of these not, so for once everyone's had a little bit too much, obviously. Or for us it might be we'll have 20 bottles of the 15 quid wine and then we'll have five bottles of the Asda five quid bottle. You know, whatever that, whatever that is, you know. He goes and he does that. So the groom goes to the marshal at the banquet. And remember, the social disgrace, like the, the shame that comes with him not being able to provide in the abundance that he should be, He goes to the master of the banquet and no doubt is surprised by what he says. The wine's run out. Everyone brings out the good wine first. Then the rubbish wine when everyone's had too much to drink. But you, you saved the best till now. Why save the best till now? This is amazing. It's like going from a 15 pound to a £5 to a £500 bottle. Do you know what? It's that sort of equation, right? It's going from fairly good to not to well. He does that. And Jesus is like that for us, to us. He provides in abundance. And, and when we get to heaven, when we get to that eternity, there's going to be a wedding feast that is abundant and eternal and is joyous and that goes on. <laughs> Purely for, for Philip's benefit. I, uh, I did a little bit of maths, as you do, which will appear on the screen. And I wanted to just know roughly how much wine Jesus had, had made. And there you go. I was amazed by this. By like 780 to 1,165 bottles of wine, that's I'm going. See, Jesus doesn't do things by halves, right? He goes for it. Remember that we might believe and have life. Jesus reveals his glory, providing in abundance more than enough for the very best wine that his disciples, and no doubt the servant, would believe. And again, I want to draw us now to, from this passage to that eternal perspective, to that eternal view of, of what's going on here. Go to the next slide, that'd be great. So as the jars point to the cleansing of sin by his blood, by Jesus' blood, this whole passage points us, as I've already sort of started to say, to something far greater than a wedding that took place in Cana in Galilee 2,000 years ago. It points us to eternity. It points us to eternity. See, Jesus doesn't beat around the bush when he's talking about the end of the world and 
you know, what we need to do. He says the end of the world is coming. And scripture tells us that we have to make a choice. Either we have to choose Jesus, who is life. We've read it, haven't we? We've read it. We've seen it. Jesus is life. He brings life in abundance, eternal life. Or you choose yourself. Or you choose sin and uh, the way that what the world offers. That 15 quid, 5 quid. Sorry, we choose that, the average stuff for now. But it's not going to last. And the consequence of that is eternity apart from God. Is eternity in death. Jesus tells a parable in Luke 14. We were talking about it at Friday's the other week. Um, about a man who organized a feast. Um, and he invites many guests. He invites loads of people. And he says, come along. Come to my house. I'm having this big feast. Um, I want it to be full. Uh, no doubt there would have been the wine, food, all of that sort of stuff. And as those invites, uh, the RSVPs come back, people will say, give him a load of excuses. The first one, I've brought a field. The second one, uh, I've brought some oxen and I'm going to try out. And the third one, uh, I've just got married. So his response is to, is to do something amazing. He says to his servants, go out. Go out to the roads, to the country lanes, and bring people in to my house. Bring people in to my house. I want this to be full. And God does that to us too. He says, come into my house. Come into my house. Revelation 21 uh, tells us of a wedding. Tells us of the wedding. 21 and 22 are some of my favorite uh, chapters. Where Christ and his bride, the church, uh, will come together and live in abundance for eternity. And let me read this to you. Um, I'm not sure I've put it up there, but it's fun. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is 21. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride. Beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them forever. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. See, we're invited to life. You are invited to life. You're invited to this wedding feast where we are washed clean, where our sins are no more, where there will be no more sin.
where Jesus says to you, hey, see those dirty rags? See all of that, all those things that are on you that are unclean? On the cross, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that from you. And in that place, I'm going to give you robes of white. You'll be clothed in white. Beautifully before him. It's a city where God dwells. A city where God dwells and walks amongst his people. You're invited to drink the water of life. In Revelation 22, it says about streets paved with gold. How awesome will it be to run across them streets? Streets of gold made like glass. You're invited. Have you RSVP'd? See, in a wedding, you have to tell the person that you're coming, don't you? Don't RSVP, you ain't getting your dinner. <laughs> You've got to turn up. And for some of us here, we may well have been Christians for years and years and years, and we're like, yeah, I've done that. That's, you know, I've heard this all before, Matt. But I want to encourage you and challenge you that this isn't just a, a once, one-off We need to choose intentionally every single day to follow Christ. To say, yeah, I'm in. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, or or you want to be, then I want to encourage you, come chat to one of us afterwards, and we can talk to you more about what this means and how you respond um, to this. But ultimately it means asking Jesus to follow him. And as I said, in that Luke verse, we said about the people who went out, the servants, to the, and to the, uh, the roads into the country lanes, and they brought people in. As Christians, our, our job, our mission, our calling is to go out and to bring people in. We are the workers to go out to the harvest field and to bring that in. So finally, Jesus is the master of the banquet. Jesus is the master. The one who cleanses and the one who provides in abundance of joy. Without him is death. In him is life. Have you RSVP'd? Let me just take a moment to pray. Uh, To close. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for this for this story. And Lord, I thank you that it points to something far greater than we can even imagine, Lord. Father, I thank you that in Jesus we are washed clean, cleansed and made whole. Father, I thank you that by him we can come to you by grace, Lord. And Lord, that you invite us to eternity with you, both here and now but to come. Something far greater, Lord. Amen.